0: Hello, everyone. Welcome into another episode of Kentucky Daily, a daily podcast covering your University of Kentucky Wildcats. I'm Sean Smith and uh, returning is Derek Terry. Derek, how are you?
1: Yeah, I'm good, Sean. Um, shout out to you for holding it down Friday. The mailbag, maybe the single toughest episode to do by yourself. So uh, <laughs> thank you for doing that. And I want to say, um, I had a few people reach out to me who listen to the show uh, via text or through Twitter DM. So uh, over my grandmother's passing, I really appreciate that for you people who did that. Uh, I will remember that. So thank you for that. But Sean, I'm happy to be back Monday. Um, uh, somewhat of a somewhat of a newsy weekend, I guess.
0: Yeah, I, re- I actually recorded that episode and dropped it Friday morning with the whole news rundown for seven day period, and then I think we had more news in a 24 hour period that followed that. The mailbag was very hard. Uh, hopefully everybody. Listen to that. I think what we should do, Derek, is here maybe soon do a, another mailbag episode with you and I together. Yeah, uh, that would just in case because it was one you know. Usually with a mailbag, I, I'll say something and then you'll say something, and I kind of like bounce an idea or pick up something. And I'm sitting here just talking to myself for 49 minutes straight.
1: Does it make you appreciate the uh, radio hosts out there who have successful radio shows who talk to themselves three hours a day, five days a week? Yes.
0: Uh, significantly, because uh, that that was brutal. Uh, as always, this episode is powered by Blue Wire Pods. It's also powered by the Butcher's Pub, two locations right now, one in Palmville, one in Williamsburg, Kentucky, and then a third butcher's Pub location coming to London, Kentucky on April fifteenth. You can visit the butcherspub dot com or check them out on Facebook, but as Derek was staying, it was a huge weekend. Uh, I covered the UK baseball game Saturday and news broke literally right in the middle of that game. Uh, I think I texted you Friday night, and I got word late Friday that B.J. Boston would uh, declare for the draft and with the intent to stay in the draft. Uh, Obviously, that was on the heels of Terrence Clark's decision. Two guys, Derek, that we kind of build, everyone build as stars before the season started, never got to it. Like their time at Kentucky, it's very – it's very wild for two players of that caliber to leave the program. And it just really, the impact that was there, like I, it's going to be two guys, honestly, Derek, that I don't think 10 years from now fans will even, how do you, do you even remember BJ Boston, Terrence Clark at Kentucky?
1: Uh, certainly not Clark. I don't think, um, you know, very, very minimal impact in his time at UK. Uh, BJ, I mean, just for BJ, played so many minutes, and he had a full season to play and stats that were not kind to him. I mean, any time a player's gonna have a bad shooting percentage, they're gonna be compared to BJ. Um, I don't know. I guess what I chuckled the most about over this weekend, and I was kind of in and out of of seeing what was going on. But you did, like you said, you texted me Friday night. I wasn't surprised to hear that news that you said, and then it came out almost immediately Saturday. Do you chuckle a little bit, Sean, that Isaiah Jackson on some of these mock drafts is like number two power forward, top 10 pick, potentially not not everywhere. He's not like a consensus top 10 guy, but I think ESPN in the last update did have him in the top 10. But the fact that he would be the guy who would at the very least entertain the idea of coming back to college versus Boston and Clark, neither who are projected to the first round, both being just gone. Does it just tell you though that if someone comes here with a true one-and-done mentality that no matter how bad, or if they even play at all, basically like Clark, that they're going to leave no matter what. Yep,
0: it does. And it also solidifies to me that the culture, when it comes to, if this is what your roster is primarily going to be made up of, if you go the freshman route and you're just bringing in freshman, 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 the culture is never going to change. Yeah, It's never going to change. And I think now this offseason will tell us how John Calipari is going to organize and structure his roster moving forward the rest of his time in Kentucky. How is does the transfer portal start to dominate the recruiting talk at UK? Because I think that's the only way that you get out of this pattern. If, if you're going to have new players every single year, then I'm almost to the point that if you can't get the elite of the elite or you can't get a kid – who is a talented player that's going to stay 3 years in your program the transfer portal is going to be the way that you put yourself set yourself up to have success in a season because if you're going to replace a lot of guys you've got to have experience
1: i still wonder even then if if that's the way you're going that's what i was talking to you earlier it's almost like that he might use a portal as a junior college way that um let's say a player plays 2 years at another school wants to transfer to UK with the free year. Someone maybe who is a solid college player wouldn't be someone who would expect to leap for the NBA after a year. because he just start doing that where you can basically bank on a kid being here for two years, but they have a little bit more experience. Because, I mean, the way you see it right now, uh, go out through this tenure, very few guys are willingly staying in more than two years. Um Keon could be that guy next year if, if he chooses to be. He's I've not heard anything from him since the season ended. Um, one way or the other, you know. Just just not not heard anything of him. But with Keon, I mean you just don't expect guys to stay four years anyway. So does he try to still recruit a few guys out of high school who you consider to be very good players who might be NBA ready after two years and then try to mix in those gaps with uh, transfers from other schools who, who might stick around as upperclassmen? I don't know. I still see – at this point, is it just totally off the table that this is going to be a program where a kid can come and stay three or four years if they're not going to be ready for the NBA? Or will there always just be someone breathing down their back and feeling like they have to go somewhere else to be that guy? I think that's the real question you'll see that will probably be answered more in a year or two.
0: Once yeah.
1: once we get used to this portal a little bit more.
0: Yeah, I'm. I'm just to the point that I don't expect anyone who is recruited by Kentucky as a high school senior to really make it beyond year two. If they do, it's just, it's rare. That's like of the guys coming back, like, let's just say guys, let's just say, you know, Devin Askew for sure comes back. Uh, Lance Ware has announced he's going to come back and we'll get into that in a minute too, because I do want to touch on that. Mm -hmm. But, when you have these guys come back who's to say that after next year they just don't feel like they're just ready to leave like those All are right. the ones that are doing it like that's yeah. the EJ Montgomerys the Ashton Hagans those situations those are the ones that i think those decisions is, is to me is what made Kentucky be 9 and 16 this past year not as much your freshman not being elite i really think that not having those guys that should have been on your roster and Johnny Juzang obviously was a different case. He was homesick, but what he's doing in the NCAA tournament right now, he could have done that at Kentucky if he had the opportunity.
1: That was a big Friday night, wasn't it for for Johnny? Uh, I watched a little bit of that. Game. It was a
0: big weekend that just shows the Kentucky basketball program. One, they're um, not in the tournament. Two, transfer killing it on another, you know, uh, program that's won national championships, and then you look up and you can't even bring back guys off a roster that finished nine and sixteen. But here's the other side of that. It's it it's a negative that you can't bring guys back, but I will say this. They went nine and sixteen. Are you really going to beat yourself up about it if this roster looks entirely different next year? Because I'm honestly thinking very strongly that if it had a lot of the same faces and doesn't get a ton of help in the portal, it would not been it wouldn't have been a team that was going to compete to go to the Final Four.
1: You know, I started thinking the same thing that you did. And I don't think we've even talked about this even off air. Um, it, it's almost like when you're as bad as they were, it, it's like you can't really like – it's almost like it was too bad to yeah. think that in one year it could change. N- not often are you going to see a team go 9-16, and 16, and even if they bring back four or five guys, it's hard to see that same team becoming the title contender the next year without – one an outstanding recruiting class which kentucky has a good class i mean it's it's a good class it's not something that's going to totally flip the roster next year though out of, of all the ones he's
0: had people. it's one of the ones that you look at and you're kind of it's on the lower end
1: by rankings yeah it's actually one of the, which they only have three guys on. i mean typically you know he, he'd have classes almost every class in six seven guys it seemed like so in this way it's a little bit different but um no, I think it's a good point you mentioned, and uh, maybe that's how Cal thought about it. Whenever Jimmy Dykes said they'd have eight new guys, maybe that was a thought. But let's just talk about Lance Ware. Um, he, he posted one. on Instagram that he was coming back, and then I saw he gave a story to 24-7. I kind of glanced through it. Nothing uh, red even really stands out.
0: City he Cal pretty much.
1: Yeah, it's another guy on record, though. And I think this is the first player who actually – because the other stuff was parents, right? I think yeah, he's actually yeah. the first player to talk to anybody. Where does Lance fit in, though? Because the news came out this morning, and uh, I believe Kyle Tucker tweeted about it, and then also a North Carolina writer, actually a guy I know, Brenda Marks, who covers North Carolina and Duke for the athletic. Walker Kessler, uh, an All-American out of high school, five-star center. Surprisingly, I'm pretty sure. Um, I don't um, think – Yeah, a
0: name we weren't that. thinking of at all. Yeah,
1: went into the portal – and I'm actually going to pull up Kyle's tweet just so I don't well, here. I want to be and, angry on And this.
0: while you're doing that, I'll say this. If you, if you remember last – I think it was last Thursday when we recorded. I told you, I said, the portal, you know, there's a lot of names in it now, but who is in it after this weekend when they get eliminated in the tournament? Oh, yeah.
1: Yeah, there's going to yeah.
0: be – And it's going to continue. Like, throughout the next couple of days, I expect names to go in as teams lose. I mean, you have another day of games right now going on. Um what does the portal look like by the end of this week or by the end of next weekend? So when you're looking at things, when it comes to the portal, which we will go into and stuff and discuss in a bigger, a uh, bigger topic here in a few minutes. But if you're looking here and you're, you're sitting here thinking, why is Kentucky not taking a commitment from Justin Powell? If Justin Powell wants to be at Kentucky. Like, why is it not, you know, why is it not moving quicker? I think it's because you kind of just want to know who's going in the portal, right? You don't know, like you don't want to, you don't want to fill a spot, and then there will be an option out there to see could you fill something else? Maybe could you get a better player? I don't know if you're going to get better players than Justin Powell, but I think that coaches are looking at this and saying, I don't know if I want to just pull things and, and pull the trigger until I see exactly who's out there.
1: Yeah, I mean, that's right. I mean, how many? We still have, I think it said eight spots left today. To go to sweet sixteen, so you'll have quite a few games going on out today. But going back to t- Kyle's tweet, he quote tweeted Walker Kessler's tweet, which was just you know saying thank you to North Carolina, but that he was on a transfer. Kyle said former Foster Center is transferring. He's very close with Auburn transfer Justin Powell. Not crazy to think they both end up at Kentucky. And that was quote tweeted by Brenda Marks, who I was saying covers Duke and UNC for the athletics, saying uh, wouldn't be surprising at all. Yeah, basically. Now, so, so um, what do we make of that? Because I feel like that's probably the, the it, pretty pretty big news today. That just that I mean,
0: it makes more sense back than back what we the... were talking about a week and a half ago with it being Garrison Brooks when that was kind of floating yeah. out there his reports. This one makes more sense to me because it's a young Kessler.
1: Piece. He's young. He didn't have it. Mean, I mean, they had a lot of guys in that front court at North Carolina this year. Walker Kessler's numbers were nothing special, but a, a talent like that. You're talking about, I believe a seven-footer, maybe seven-foot-one and um, recruit. who No one really thought would be in there. Now going in the portal, I don't know how much we want to dig into. This. He's seven-foot-one, actually. He averaged four four-point-four four-point-four points and three-point-two rebounds. Uh, but but he did close the year pretty well. He, he played some of his best games down the stretch. Well, let's just let's just spend the day, and it's it's the off-season. Kentucky's not in this way tournament. Let's just throw out some scenarios. With Austin Sheboy, we know he's going to be there. Lance Ware said he's coming back. We assume Jacob Toppin is going to come back, though I know Toppin can play a little three if you need him to. And then Damian Collins is signed. Did I mention Collins yet? I don't think I did. Mm-hmm. Um, Collins, um Ware, and, and Toppin are all guys. That's not including Keon Brooks or someone else who could play the four. What is the fit for a guy like Walker Kessler? <laughs> <laughs> I guess would be my question. Like, how, how do you see him fitting in if he were to come to Kentucky? <laughs>
0: I've not even watched much of his game, honestly. True five, obviously. I mean, you already have Shubway, who's going to park it right there on the block and be a big body. You have Lance Ware. It it all comes down to what we've been talking about, right? Don't Even though guys are telling you that they're coming back, I want to see what it looks like in May. When the roster is kind of taking shape, does someone say, okay, I said I was going to come back, but – I maybe should go somewhere else that's why i i don't I'm not jumping the gun on a lot of these things right now, because like, there's so much yeah. stuff can change right now, Derek, but I don't know like it I honestly don't know, but it's certainly I could honestly see Cal going one way here, and it is loading up on the elite transfers, the best names if you're not going to get it via the high school route. Why not go get four of the top three or four of the top five transfers in the off season and then you're feeling different about UK going into next year?
1: Yeah, but still aren't you still going to end up in a similar spot? Like meshing new players is gonna be difficult. I don't care if they played college basketball for three years, like I still think it's gonna to be tough to to win that way. I mean, yeah That's it's where you gotta go skill set. Yeah. I just don't see a – I mean if Kyle Tucker, who is, is probably as plugged in as anybody on the UK basketball beat, I would say probably is plugged in more than anybody, he is tweeting is. that, and then you got a North Carolina rider. It makes you think something legitimate is out there, at least not to the where they would feel comfortable tweeting that for fifty thousand people to see or whatever. And, and we you know always say this, like.
0: right? No one goes into the portal without knowing where they kind of want to go.
1: Without yeah, without having some kind of idea.
0: Yeah, and um. Like even if they don't directly speak to people, there's enough people out there that get word of things, that relay things, to know if someone's gonna be interested or not.
1: I I just don't really see the see the fit though. I mean Well although I think Cal is probably so pissed off over them getting bullied by Mississippi State the way they did, he probably never wants to be in a scenario where he doesn't have enough big bodies to go out there and fight and rebound. Um I'm with you though. I I know some of these kids have said they're coming back, but I'm with you on that. Like, I, let's let's see. I mean, let's see if they're gonna be back because it's it's not really adding up right now with it, some it of these names that we're hearing. It's just gonna be too many players. I mean, have we heard anything about Davion Mintz lately? No, Has Davion said anything. About what he's gonna and, do.
0: And other than so talk like talking about the roster and everything. When it comes to Lance Ware. I was very excited when I saw that Lance Ware was gonna come back. Like he's someone that I hope gets to year three four at Kentucky. Because there are little things about his game that I like. Obviously he knows he needs to improve and maybe he's set with that. Like let's say that they get Kessler, let's say that shoe boys there, Damian Collins. Do you see Lance Ware getting minutes in that scenario? No. no. I don't know. But does Lance Ware decide to redshirt? Or does he just stay on the roster and try to figure it out for a junior senior year? That's what you'd like to see, but it's putting a lot of people in situations where everyone wants to put themselves in a situation to build a play right now. Everybody has aspirations of becoming a pro, whether that's the NBA, whether it's overseas or what. That's why I just, this does it doesn't make sense, but I, are you starting to see a scenario where Cal tries to go out and get the best of the best every offseason in the transfer portal? Like, like, does this roster look like here in a few weeks or a month? Does it have Justin Powell? Does it have Marcus Carr? Does it have Kessler? I mean, what does it look like? Entirely different.
1: I think Cal has an idea of what he wants to do moving forward and whether we know for sure what that is or not. I think it's fair, though, if it isn't the transfer portal route. To wonder, and I think I don't think Cal can even answer this. Like, who knows if it's actually going to be successful, though. Yep. Which puts you in a bit of a tough spot because the way you knew he could be successful recently, just it seems like building rosters that way is not going to be the. It's not going to happen anymore. Like, there's too many options for the top players now instead of just you know going to Duke.
0: Is he going to go get surefire one and dones Is that the only kids he's going to take, and then the rest be transfers? Like. I don't know. I don't know what the approach is going to be. What's the what's the recipe right now? What's the formula? I don't. There's so. I'll say many this, and this things. is
1: not. I'm not trying to be mean towards BJ or Terrence. Like I think it's best to avoid those kinds of players moving forward. And you, I mean, you didn't know when they signed them that one Terrence would be hard, hurt, or two that BJ would. I mean, whether it's fair to him or not, I think he probably goes down as a bust though, since Scal probably in terms of being he's the tenth highest rated guy they've ever signed. He yeah, going by the rankings, and he didn't. I mean, didn't help him win that much. And I get it. The team was not very good. I mean, you put him around some better players, I think so, he'd be able to look better as well. But it's just not good to have. You, you can't be having players that you focus a lot of your time and energy on who aren't going to help that much in a one in a one year period. But can you identify those guys beforehand? I don't know. So that's why it's kind of hard for me to. If they didn't take B.J. Boston, he wanted to come here, and then he went somewhere else and played a little bit better, then he would have got crushed for that too. So I'm not trying to – I guess the criticism I have of that is it's really kind of hard to solely place at his feet because he – it just didn't work. Like, nothing worked for him this year. And and maybe B.J. would have been better off in a different setting. But I I would encourage, in terms of building the roster, like – and maybe, too, that's where we could maybe – Criticize Cal a little bit more But I mean If he truly didn't think Dante was ready It's just They, they tried this year I don't know I don't know what I'm trying to say They just They are bad They are a bad team Like worse than we could Ever thought they would be But it is disappointing To, to They'll have They'll never be that in. bad again I don't think so either But I mean You think like What did you get out of this year though That's that's what we're going to be getting At this point Like You ready? Showtime On May 3rd Summer starts with the Fall Guy There's no it, later. Let's drink spicy mother research Make some bad decisions Yes Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy.
0: Fall guy. That's what the poster said.
1: See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Yep.
0: Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Rated PG 13. Well, and that's what I was hoping you know we could transition to is I think that you and I should build our ideal roster. For next year with with just the names that we know, and not maybe the names that we know, but more so the skill set. Like, how do you build it? Because, I mean, obviously, going into the weekend, I don't think either one of us really ever thought that B.J. Boston was coming back. I don't think. I don't even though some fans and people got a little hyped about it and we had no bad questions, at no point did I actually ever think B.J. Boston was coming back to Kentucky. I knew for sure Terrence Clark wasn't coming back. So that's kind of out of the way. So let's just transition here. Listen to Marketplace wherever you get your podcast. So we have they have Devin Askew at point so far. That's what we know. They have Dante Allen, and they have Nolan Hickman. That's what you know for sure that you have in your backcourt. It's significantly different. Like When we recorded last week, we were talking about Davion Mintz being there possibly. B.J. Boston wasn't entirely written out yet. And then Justin Powell was being mentioned and we just didn't see it where there could be six guards on that roster next year. Now that there's only three, how do you look at it now?
1: I think if Marcus Carr wants to come here for the options that we know of, which is what we're discussing, right?
0: Yeah. And and that seems to be the most discussed spot, right? Like the front court with Shoeboy and Damian Collins and now Lance Ware, you can in and top and expected you you're not as there's not as big of a concern there for me. Like I think that that area will be fine.
1: Which is I'm why more concerned. That they're linked to Kessler,
0: <laughs> they only get better, Derek, is if they get better at point. That's the only yeah. way this team gets better is if they and if they can shoot the ball better from the perimeter. So now that you see Askew, Hickman, and Dante, what's missing from those three? A stud.
1: Yeah. They're, who's your
0: guy? Who are you playing through there? Unless Hickman ends up being really good,
1: but do uh, you, you know, find that in the transfer portal? Do, do we know yet? I mean, I just don't know that
0: if you're wanting to go get someone proven that can score the basketball, you go get Marcus Carr and then you throw then you mix in Justin Powell around that and then I really start to like that backcourt because then you got a primary ball handler in Carr who can create. You've got Powell, who I still don't know if he's as good a facilitator as what his numbers are, because I'm wondering if maybe that was playing in Auburn system where they just shoot threes. Yeah, A lot, because those numbers would have been one or two the a game if he had played at Kentucky the first ten games, because nobody was hitting shots. But you get a guy like that that can shoot the basketball, you got Nolan Hickman there, ask you back, Dante Allen, and then you get Carr if that's what, dis- what you decide to do, and then who knows about Mints. That's why I'm holding off on people that have said they're coming back. I'm not going to believe it until it is written in a document. From UK, that that is their roster going into the off season. I'm I'm not going to believe it. I'm not buying into it until we see it.
1: I think building next year's roster, like they they definitely have to have. I mean, everybody that's just everybody agrees. Like you, they got to be better at point. Um, yeah. That's the pro- That's, be, uh, that's yeah. the
0: priority number one right there right now.
1: It doesn't seem likely that they will go into next season as just having Man, Saskia, and Hickman. But when we say that, I can't see a scenario where if they do add somebody else, that one of those guys is – I think one of those guys has to go. I mean, obviously Hickman's, Hickman isn't going anywhere. I mean, he's he signed for next year. Like, he, he's going to be there. He's the one guy you can lock in, basically. <laughs> <laughs> They're in instantly going to
0: um, be better, though, because of Shoeboy. Like, be, just because he fits what Cal wants to do. Yeah. yeah. And and I think that that makes him better. He's going to be a better option than Sar, than what they want to do. But it all comes down to what you're talking about, point guard spot.
1: I, I really think uh, I, I just don't know when when how I would build a roster. I don't. Still, I think it's different than how Cal will want to build one. I think if you got Pal, you got Mintz back, and you had Dante there, I think that's excellent guys who can shoot from the outside.
0: I want to build a roster that doesn't play Keon Brooks and Jacob Toppin at the three. That that's well. what I want to build. If, if you – that's what I want to see because then you start to see, regardless of which direction you go in the backcourt, if those pieces end up at Kentucky, you can start to see one, two, three can stroke it.
1: I was talking with a friend about this um, last week. I wanted to get your opinion on it here on air. And you, you coach, so maybe your opinion will be different than mine. Why – or, or let me say it this way: In Cal's eyes, we can both agree because we saw the minutes played. In Cal's eyes, Jacob Toppin was a more valuable asset than Dante Allen. Yeah, in his eyes. In his eyes, would that be universal amongst the coaching?
0: No. You know why? So my question Cal's still to you now: Elite athleticism.
1: So that's what I ask now, and I'm not trying to like. I get it. We we discuss a lot of Dante. There was a point this year. I agree with people. Like you, probably couldn't play the kid that much. But I just wonder moving forward, like for next year when Dante you you think will improve, and I think Jacob will as well. Why is a player like Toppin more valuable night in a night out to Cal than someone who can score the way Dante can when he's on?
0: And it's not discreet. Should it shouldn't be that way. Yeah. It's not, it's
1: not. I'm just wondering, like Toppin provides you very little offense most nights. Like, he had his good games. He scored about 16 against Vanderbilt. Like, he had his moment. I like topping a lot. Like he's he's one of the guys I'm most excited to see next year. How he improves in the offseason.
0: Cal gets wrapped up in athleticism.
1: That's what I'm just wondering. Like, why? I mean, what is like, the
0: one common denominator of every single mixtape of guys that Cal has recruited Kentucky? It's five minutes of dunks.
1: Yeah, guys are getting another rim.
0: Yep. You don't see anything, and that's and I want to see. Do they transition to getting guys that their highlight tape is? From 15 feet now, and then occasionally, you know, finishing at the rim as well. That ability to do that, but that's the thing. What I was
1: talking about with Allen, to my buddy, is could Allen have done that more nights if he had the minutes? That was kind of his question.
0: If he had the minutes and they were running stuff for him, yes. They got to a point late in the season when he did play. They didn't run action for him. They got yeah. to a point against Mississippi State where they had to have him because that's the only way Kentucky was coming out of a hole was if they got hot from three in that game. Because possessions, yeah. they didn't uh, – when it became a possession game there in the second half and they're down double digits, Mississippi State's still still scoring. Dante, to me, when it came to the defensive issues, and you know I'm, I'm big on that, but when you have a guy who can get three points each time it releases out of his hand, you can kind of negate the whole defensive issue because he's scoring threes when everybody else is when possibly giving up twos.
1: That's what I was talking about. I, I told the, I told my buddy, um, and this is not me encouraging any of these kids to leave. I, just, I don't want it to be framed that way. I was just saying, hey, if Devin asked you, Jacob Toppin, Dante Allen, and Keon Brooks went into the portal, who would get the most uh, – who would have the most schools after him? Dante. That's what I think too. I really think that. Like, so I think there are a lot of guys that if they today's you know, college have, basketball, Dante Allen, but is Dante as, as coveted and Cal? State? That's what I'm just wondering. Like, I think this is a legitimate and, question to ask.
0: And I'll even tell you going this: we'll take it a step further with it too. So you mentioned Devin ask Keon Brooks, and Dante Allen, right? Those three, and Jacob Toppin, and Jacob Toppin. When it comes to what's the NBA looking for, if Dante Allen could just defend it all. He would be the sexy pick, right? Because he can I, shoot I the three. So. The game has transitioned there; it's changed. I, I eight years ago, I mean, I had coaches tell me, "No, don't, you don't need your seventh net graders shooting threes. You don't. You don't need to do that. That it's ruined the game of basketball." No, it's not. My team this year shot like fifteen threes a game in middle school basketball. It's it's a part of the game. Like it has changed the game significantly. Shooting has changed the game entirely. Uh, I think Dante could have a really big year if they get the right pieces around them. Like if they if they get yeah. – if they're elite defensively and he works on his footwork and some things, we saw enough. And that's where we go back to what did they get out of this season. I don't think they got anything out of this season until the final 20 minutes. The final 20 minutes of this season is when they finally got something out of it because it solidified to me that Dante Allen was not going to transfer, that he was coming back. Because I will tell you this, Derek, they were – people frustrated about Dante Allen playing. I don't think he ever got to the point to where he would have left, but you never know when it comes to people influencing and talking. Had he not had that game to close the season, or if he had played like one or two minutes in the SEC tournament, I don't know if we'd be having this conversation right now. And that's what they got out of the season. What else did they get?
1: What I think we're seeing from this conversation, and it's probably just as important as the personnel is – can you keep teach an old Hall of Fame coach new ways? Does it really matter like if they go out and get some shooters if Cal is just going to go back to the, how he's always been? And I think that's a real question to ask for this offseason, and it's a real thing to wonder about with Cal. It because is. if they're going to go out and add Kessler, which I mean is just since very early stages, he's probably not even officially in the portal yet. I, I just, to me, we're already looking at a kind of another roster that, and maybe it's too early to say this, but I just think we're already looking at another roster that I just don't know the logic yet as to how this is – going. and that's
0: – to be well, fair, we need
1: to wait and to see who's actually going to be on here. But I think there will be more – pretty much every other year there was like, oh, you know, maybe there's a question mark here or there. I think there will be more – a sharper eye from fans and media this year as to how this roster is constructed. And I think there will be more doubt placed yeah. this year than any other year before.
0: There will. Because we've seen what can happen
1: mm-hmm. if – uh things go poorly now.
0: Now, I did say a week ago after I heard Cal talk on the radio that I'm confident that John Calipari will get Kentucky back on top. Uh, it's in his pedigree. It's in the history. it's We've seen it. But I'll tell you this. This offseason will solidify it with me. If if it's, if it's the good days are done, or if there's still plenty to come. And it's going to be, this is the biggest offseason he's had. Because it, we're finally at a crossroads here. And I think there's and the difference is, Derek, there's more than two directions to go. Yeah. I think that there's a lot of directions to go here. I think it's not just – I think there's a lot of roads that they could travel. But I just look at the skill set thing. I, I That comment that he said, that's the first time I ever have really heard him acknowledge that the game is no longer about athleticism and length. I mean, that's what – what was the thing every day at UK Pro Day? What did we write about? They got so many dudes this long, so many yeah. dudes this athletic and stuff. it never but one time I remember writing something about somebody shooting the ball, and it was Nate Sestina getting hot in a three point drill and then I think Johnny Juzang did it, but I just think they're to a point now where you got to go you got to go skill set and more about style of play and two, someone has asked me in dms recently and I haven't really got a chance to sit down and reply. But I'll say it here just in case they listen to the show. Ask me, you know, what type of offense does Cal run? He runs a ton of floppy action where he puts guys in situations running off baseline action like B.J. Boston this year, Dante Allen late in the season. But you turn on the tape of the NCAA tournament right now, and there's one common denominator with every one of these teams that are upsetting people. You know what it is? They are so efficient offensively because they learn they know they understand how to put pressure on all five air, on off, all five spots defensively you watched Loyola yesterday absolutely just carved up Illinois with Princeton offense back cuts understanding how to play if something's not there that you flip to the other side you do the dribble handoffs I mean, it just beautiful basketball and it's and what it is it's fundamentals but that's what that's the only way, only way you get that is if you have dudes in your program and just you continually do that day in and day out. But for multiple years, Don Calipari's system is built on getting dudes to the NBA. And that's why you see tower Heroes. That's why you see Keldon Johnson's. That's why you see those guys when they get to the NBA, Shea Alexander, learn. They, that's why they're so good when they get to that league, It's because they play in that offense at Kentucky. So here's my thing that offense may be good for what happens beyond Kentucky. It's not good for what is getting done at Kentucky.
1: So what now? You know, how do you? So so would you
0: when he when he was primarily dribble drive with some sets and stuff, it was getting everyone kind of involved. It was more of a it was it was a motion. But now most of their offense is spent in false motion, setting up action for a guy to come off and off a pin down. Or something like that. I, I just don't think it's really utilizing. He's playing through his. He's playing through an individual player. But now, some of his best teams have been able to play through individual players, and other guys have been able to benefit. I go back to the Braden Knight year and Josh Harrelson with all the dribble handoffs, and they absolutely killed people with him and drawn Lamb, Darius Miller. That year, go back and look. The the that is the structure of a roster that I want to see. Brandon Knight could shoot the ball. Deron Lamb could shoot the ball. Darius Miller could shoot the ball. DeAndre Liggins was capable of hitting shots. He could drive it. And you had a big that just pieced all around it. And Then you had a four like Terrence Jones who pieced all around it. That's the roster construction that I like.
1: What do you think about the 2017 roster with a guy like Fox, Monk? I basically only played one big early. I mean, They had, I don't know. They they had, they had one guy seven. that I
0: just thought was out of place, and it was Briscoe.
1: Yeah, a three who was basically a point guard. <laughs> if you
0: could have taken him out and inserted anyone those following years in, like if you would have had a Keldon Johnson or someone like that to insert there, I like the way that that was constructed as well. Obviously, Winion Gabriel wasn't ready when it came down to it, but Derek Willis getting those minutes, I I like it. I just like that the, the way those rosters are constructed. I like it so much better with what he wants to do. I mean, that I, I might go back and watch the 2011 tournament. Uh, if you remember Josh Harrelson and those dribble handoffs, when they would go empty on those yeah. sides, it was just money, man. Like him and Brandon Knight, him and Deron Lamb, it did not matter.
1: Yeah, you know, I think he can adapt, and that's the thing. Like, there are times with Cal, like on his radio show this year, where he said, you know, we, we need to play reckless. We need to shoot 25 threes a game. And then it turned out that, like, got got to a point where of he college didn't basketball teams shoot 25.
0: Do what? It got to a point where he didn't know what the hell he was saying because he didn't <laughs> know what the hell he was living in. Like, I, and I'm and I'm not hailing him. I honestly think he woke up one morning and said, what the heck is going on here? And I don't yeah. think he ever really figured out what happened. I think it got to the end of the year. I think he finally realized, you know what, we're not very good. <laughs> and then it just became uh, trying to build him up and do what he could. And, I mean, it, look, they they didn't get drilled, Derek, all year. Like, that's the thing. Like, it, other than the Alabama game at Rupp, they were in every game. Georgia Tech was bad. But other than those two, they had chances – they just didn't have good enough players to win games. Those kids that have been difference makers the other 10 years, 11 years, they weren't on this roster. And that's why you saw Arkansas, a team in the Sweet 16 right now that Kentucky had beat at Rupp Arena and they couldn't finish it off. That's an Arkansas team that might go to the Final Four or well, at least go yeah, a lead eight. I mean, that that's, was a
1: good game yesterday. That was exciting.
0: Yeah, it is. and what's that do for the league when you got Muscleman out here just going berserk in Hinkle Fieldhouse celebrating with fans – you got Nate Oates kind of taking on his attitude with the league and stuff. I mean, it, Cal's got to come out punching, right? Or he's losing his throne.
1: Yeah, yeah. I would say it should be good for his for his motivation for sure to to get it back. I don't know. I don't think we've been unfair. To, yeah. I mean, I think these are all legitimate questions to wonder about, and it's early. Like, we just need to see the the roster, I guess, to have a better idea. But I do think I'm with you. Like, you can't have another. I mean, uh, the stat that I go back to, and it's just – it's absurd. Like, Dante Allen plays 447 fewer minutes, yet he hits more threes on the season than B.J. Boston. So that tells you that, like, your main option this year, you can't have, like, for B.J. Boston to have been the number one option. You just – that's just not good enough to to have a guy shoot that way. And uh, I'm not not me saying Dante should have been anything else. I'm just saying that should highlight how bad it was this season.
0: It got to the point to where BJ only impacted games if he hit his wide open threes. Yeah. But what else did he do? Did he, was he ever good in the mid range? No. Did he ever finish inside of four or five feet? No. no. It, Kentucky played its best when he was able to hit four or five threes. When he wasn't, it was all relying on Davion Mintz. Isaiah Jackson is going to be a lottery pick in my opinion. That's I don't think Isaiah, Isaiah will be back. Although I find it very interesting that he is the one who hasn't yeah. closed the door like it just doesn't like what like it doesn't make sense right it, but no, I mean
1: it doesn't I mean I thought Cal's comments did we, did we even talk about that I can't remember
0: oh uh, no we time, didn't
1: because so just with Isaiah like I mean I thought Cal's comments were interesting saying how anxious he was to see how the process went and I'm with you like I don't think he's going to be back but we can still talk about him at least just because it does show
0: it right up. like when it comes to Isaiah who came in and didn't think he was going to be a one-and-done like there, that wasn't around Isaiah until he got on campus. And then everybody started talking about how good he was going to be. So here's the kid who probably came in thinking he's going to have to work a few years to get to that spot where BJ Boston comes in and self-proclaims himself that he wants to be the best player to ever play the game. You see two different scenarios there. One added pressure to himself and another one didn't. And I'm I'm also going to tell you this. Had Kentucky been good this season – Isaiah Jackson would have been talked about among the best of the best at UK because the things that he did were overshadowed by how bad they were They were as a team. They didn't get the national spotlight that they typically get. The national spotlight on Kentucky this year was how bad they were.
1: I, I mean, if it did happen, and I'll put this like basically a 0% chance of happening, but if you did have a frontcourt of Jackson, Sheboy, and Collins, just those three, <laughs> I mean – that should be an elite rebounding and shot blocking team for for sure. That's not even including anybody else. Uh, I, again, I don't think he'll come back, and I think he'll get. I think he'll hear what he wants to hear, and he'll be able to sign with an agent and go get drafted. And I would say pretty easily have the best NBA career out of these guys who are going to be leaving this year. But um, I'm just, I truly am fascinated to see where this thing goes because I mean, it does feel like you're kind of at a tipping point of the Cal era. I mean, I don't think that's too strong to say. You have a changing college basketball. The way teams are winning now is is different than when he got here. But I mean, he he's adapted a lot throughout his career. But I, that that is my biggest question, regardless of who they add. How does he coach next year? Yep. I mean, does it change? Yeah. Yeah. Does whenever it gets down to the NCAA tournament next year, does he tighten that rotation again to seven? Does Does Dante Allen come in an N C A tournament game next year, miss two shots and not play again because Scott doesn't think he can defend? Things like that that we've seen. What what, what did he say to Jamal? Jamal Baker fouled a fouled a three point shooter against Auburn, caused a four point play. I I get it; he did some things, but like, I don't know. I just think that um, I'm I'm truly fascinated to see, and I'm I'm curious most, John, to see if if transitioning to signing three or four high school kids a year and then trying to take the best transfers will be a winning formula. We don't know that yet. We can't really even say for sure if it will or won't be. To me, though, it's just another way that like. More than anything, though, I think what we're seeing is you can just basically get right off 4 your players at Kentucky. It just I do think like it's going to happen.
0: I do think that there's something to say though about I'd rather have if you're not getting consistently the elite of the elite freshmen. I would rather have a transfer from a Power Five program that has played college basketball. Even though you're breaking in a new system, you've got a body that's ready to play in college basketball. You've got someone who has played within the game of college basketball and within a system and they've been removed from the AAU system. I think that's a big that's thing. A good too. point.
1: Yeah, that's a good like, point. Like,
0: that's that's what I think makes it easier. Like, look at what Davion Mintz did this year. He came into Kentucky with no ego, and he ended up being their best player. Like, Isaiah Jackson's their best pro. Their, their dude this year was Davion Mintz.
1: Yeah, which might have, you know. Nothing against Davion, but, like, no one thought that. <laughs>
0: well, I think – didn't we Come say ahead. that early in the year, that the fact that we were talking about him as their best player wasn't a good <laughs> thing We did the same thing about Julius Mays in 2013. Oh, yeah. And you get to a point to where you're like, this is not a good thing. When your grad transfer is outperforming the other people from Creighton, that's not what – it was kind of right there. I mean, the same could be said the year before. We were talking kind of about Nate Sestina at one point over E.J. Montgomery. And it was like, that's not what it's supposed to be. But um, there's a lot going to happen. We're glad to be back here on Kentucky Daily. It feels good to have you back. It's uh, definitely been easier to yeah. talk. Yeah. Stuff.
1: Uh, it really makes sense. This, I hope made sense this episode.
0: Look, I, I sent 45 minutes out to the air the other day that I know didn't make a little <laughs> sense. So you just breathing into the mic today made more sense uh, than what I said Friday.
1: Well, you know, it's just like I'm not trying – I try my best not to – I don't try to live like in the hot take. World, uh, and hope today it didn't come off as me being like a Dante Allen stand. Because trust me, I understand he has he has holes in his game. Yeah, but I do think that's a fair thing to ask after the conversation I had. Like, why, why is Jacob Toppin so much more valuable to Cal than someone like Dante who can score? Like, okay, I get it. You, you don't think Dante's a great defender? Well, I promise you, man, Jacob Toppin's never gonna go out there and hit seven threes in a game. Like, he just doesn't really have that in his arsenal. Whereas Dante does. And even if that's not every single night, I, I just like to me that's a question you'll learn uh, about. Cal for next year. And maybe Dante will just improve a lot as a defender. That won't ever really be talked about as much again. I just think on this team, in hindsight, knowing what we know now, it just kind of rubs you in the wrong way that uh, so much was placed on BJ Boston and the guy doesn't even score in his last game. And no matter how bad of a year he had, he's gone. I think that's terrible for your program, to be completely honest. Yeah.
0: And I'm just now seeing that Iowa is absolutely getting – Interrupt.
1: They're getting crushed. The yeah. Big Ten
0: is not good.
1: Been, been a tough tournament for the Big Ten. I mean, and, I mean, Oregon's going to go over 100 points here pretty soon. And, and someone,
0: someone's going to end up coming back and telling me I'm stupid because we're recording this right now at 2 o'clock in the afternoon. But I'm honestly beginning to think that LSU might beat Michigan later. If the, this is who the Big Ten is, it wasn't very good. <laughs> Sorry. The Pac-12 looks like the better conference than the Big Ten.
1: Yeah, yeah, UCLA they've already won two games, which I guess technically they only won the only one the one game because they had to play the playing game. But that still counts State. as a tournament win. But yeah, uh yeah, Oregon State's in the Sweet Sixteen. And we didn't even uh,
0: talk about Rick Barnes fizzling out again. In the first yeah, We didn't round. talk
1: about Rick Barnes fizzling out. We didn't talk about uh didn't talk about Rick Patino's team giving Nate Oates a good bat. Hey, I like the Alabama team, man. Didn't shoot the ball real well the other day. They've convinced me. good enough. Like And I don't know. There. Iona's not a great. uh Iona, I believe, is not a very good offensive team anyway, even throughout the season. But they, they've done that in SEC games too, though, where they didn't shoot real well and play good enough defense to win. But
0: and two, I want what, to give a I shout think, out.
1: Go, go ahead. ahead, yeah. No, I was just gonna say. Well, we, I mean, all these lower seeds have won. Like it's it's crazy. I, I think it's a record this year, right, for like upsets in terms of the uh, seed it, ranking. It is, and I'll, I'll crazy.
0: And what about this? Because What's the one thing you remember about Kentucky's pursuit of perfection in 2015? Like no we, we never got a chance to, they never got a chance to really just focus on anything other than that. Right. That's all that ESPN talked yeah. about. Have you seen the first thing previewed about a pursuit of perfection this year when Gonzaga would play on ESPN? Did you see any commercial that was like the pursuit no. of perfection? Nothing. Wow. No. And that's why if they go do it, I don't even care if they win the whole thing and they go undefeated. Kentucky going 38-1 and to me was more impressive, and I'm not being a homer here, just because it was literally started talking about the day they beat Louisville. And they yeah. went through all of SEC play with that on their back. But I'm really beginning to wonder if Gonzaga and Baylor aren't just going to line up and play and, and kind of just – it feels like that even with all these upsets, we're destined for that. Me personally, I hope somebody wins it that's so off the wall. That, like, we just look back and be like, wow, that perfectly describes that basketball season. <laughs> like, Jim Beheim's going to run all the way to the final four. Like, every time that you think that they're not good, and it's a year where they're like, oh, they shouldn't get in the tournament, look what they do. Yeah. Every time, man, they go win like two or three games. Man,
1: his kid can straight up shoot the rock. Shoot did, ah. yeah. He's a, he's, it also blows blood, my dude. mind that he can
0: have a kid that age.
1: Oh man, Jim bayham has been there forty years. Are you saying that, that young? Because you're saying yes, like that young. I agree. Like yes, <laughs> like, like that guy is old. Like he's in. Beheim was like right? twenty years into his Syracuse tenure when his youngest son was born. Yeah, I mean,
0: ever let me tell you the funny story about Beheim as we wrap up here? I met him once. You know where he, I met he's him? Like
1: a, oh, he seems like a real nice guy. That's, that's sarcasm. where did you meet him?
0: Middlesbrough. I met him at the Millsboro Mall at KB Toys.
1: Some of our listeners probably know this, but didn't he? He married a woman from Kentucky, right?
0: He has family, uh, someone from Harlan, and they had family here in Millsboro, and they would come down, and that was when uh, they uncovered the Glacier Girl, the P-38 plane that was buried underneath so much ice in Greenland, and they brought it back to Millsboro and ended up flying again and everything, and he was here for that. But I remember him calling into PTI, and they said this is right after he just won a national championship with Carmelo Anthony. And they asked him, what are you doing? He said, I'm sitting in a Wendy's drive through in Millsboro, Kentucky, on the air, on PTI. So I saw him at the mall, and I told my friend, I was like, I'm pretty sure that's Jim Beheim." He's like, who's that? <laughs> and I just walk up to him and start having this conversation with him, and it was the funniest thing. Like, I'll never forget it. But, yeah, Jim Beheim, Millsboro Mall, like weirdest thing I've ever seen in my life.
1: But, I really hope that I got that right. I remember hearing somewhere that he, he I'd I heard that too. They had family in Kentucky. I they it was do
0: because the, I actually saw his name in an obituary recently. He was back in Kentucky, if I'm not mistaken.
1: Um, okay, his current wife. I'm looking up on a article. He met her in Lexington in 1994. So there
0: you go. <laughs> um, with this Iowa loss today, kind of makes you interested. Seeing if a name goes in the portal pretty soon, right?
1: Yeah, yeah, they do have a player with a Kentucky state tie. Um yeah, I don't see them coming back. They're down to fourteen with three and a half to go. So Well We should have plenty more. I like this this is not gonna slow down. If you get to start your Monday off with a five star kid, no one thought was gonna leave entering the portal. Who knows? Some of these names that are gonna
0: does Kentucky add to the portal. We don't know. We'll wait and see. Um it's all playing out, that's for sure. But we want to hop on here, record an episode today, get all the news out there to you. Hope everybody had a great weekend. Hope you're ready for a great week here on Kentucky Daily. You can reach out to us via email, KentuckyDaily at gmail.com. You can follow me on Twitter, DM me at GBBCountry. Derek's Twitter is, is at Derek S. Terry. Uh, we'll be back tomorrow, unless something breaks this evening. We'll be back tomorrow to uh, kind of give you everything, rundown down what's happening around you Athletics. He's Derek Terry. I'm Sean Smith. We'll catch you next time.
1: things I go through to get auto loan rates and low at 0.99% APR for 60 months on new vehicles with PenFed.
0: You are aware that you don't have to be a military member to save hundreds on your auto loan, aren't you? Anyone can join PenFed. I'm somewhat terrified of heights. I probably should have looked into that. Probably. Drop me off at the door. PenFed Credit Union. Visit PenFed.org slash autos or call 1-800-247- 5626. Advertised rates available through the PenFed Car Buying Service. To receive any advertised product, you must become a member of PenFed. Insured by NCUA.